My name is Brittany Gardner, and I will be reading to you this morning from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, verses 9 through 30, and chapter 15, verse 13. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Heirs with Christ, so then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Amen. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, a lot of scripture there. A lot, like deep stuff. So let me just go ahead and explain to you. That's like... <clears throat> 10 sermons worth of scripture right there. So we're going to use it um, for the purposes of our sermon series, um, Grace uh, Phil. And um, I, uh, so I just want to let you know I'll be taking some things out. I will not be going deeply into every little crevice and um, scripture um, here before us. But I thought, I, I always think it's important that we read more scripture so that we can get a context for it and for you to go back and read it in context. Um, sometimes when you go back to read the scripture based on something I've taught out of that scripture, um, you end up reading more. And it's always good to read more. 
Um, so as we continue in this ser- sermon series, um, Grace Filled, um, this week we will look at power. Um, as in God's power needed and provided to live by faith, to live according to grace. A power provided by the Holy Spirit. Um, David Sparks, who is my um, mechanical sensei, he teaches me everything I need to know. I'm going to let him down today because I'm not going to be able to explain it all right. He already corrected me in the parking lot about something I was going to say. He was like, no, you can't say it like that, but I'm going to work on it. But he let me take uh, a moped um, that someone had thrown out, and he took it in. Um, and for my son Harrison to tinker with. Um, Harrison is interested in cars and engines and mechanical engineering. And uh, he's been working hard to just get that old moped started and powered. And just recently, I've gone out into the garage to help him a bit. It's been fun for me. I've gone on uh, YouTube. I'm an expert now. I've been thinking about opening a moped repair shop. (laughs) Y'all know me. I'm always going to take it to the extreme, right? Um, But um, though, you know, it's been fun for me, though. Harrison has become the expert. He's in the automotive classes at school and his online tutorials he's been looking at and and just working on the thing. It's amazing to hear him talk. But just in a small time, I've learned in practice and in person what... David and Harrison um, has told me a number of times for what generates, sustains, and provides power for an engine to start and move. It takes vacuum, right, a pulling in. What I learned is provocatively referred to by mechanics as the suck, if you will. Secondly, compression, right? a holding, or what they call the squeeze, right? And thirdly, exposing the gas and pressure of air and fuel to a spark, right, that causes the explosive move of the engine, pistons, what mechanics refer to as the bang. And finally, exhaustion, aspiration, airflow, pushing out of the byproducts known as the blow, right? And when you put the, th- the four terms together, it sounds wrong. So I'm not going to do it. Mm-mm. Not for public service. Y'all can put it together in your own mind. I'm not. But as interestingly and profoundly describes what it means and takes to have power for living and believing what it means to be sons, to be children of God. And we talked about how our salvation, how our justification, how our being in right standing was accomplished by the Trinitarian God, by God the Father's desire and plan to make us his children, by God the Son's finished work to clear the way legally and spiritually to be the payment sacrifice for our spiritual adoption as God's children. But today we focus on God, the Holy Spirit, who's our source of power to move forward, for God to be able to live in us and for us to be able to live for the Lord. Last week we learned about the place of the law in the life of the believer, that that the Bible gives us uh, laws of what it means to live holy and love our neighbor and love God. And the law is like having all the God-provided rules and roads in place with road signs and enforcement and driver education. The law of God is like the divine DMV and highway patrol and DOT of how we should live. But we are stuck, right? We, We are like that broken down moped, missing parts, many of us, worn out, bruised, not completely safe, dangerous to ourselves and others, possibly abused and frozen and rigid and rejected and just needing some love and some care. Jesus comes and picks us up to redeem us for a holy purpose. 
And the Holy Spirit makes it all work in three ways I want us to see. First, the Holy Spirit pulls, presses, sucks, if you will, and compresses and squeezes the finished work of Jesus into our hearts. Secondly, the combustion, right? The Holy Spirit ignites and and provides the supernatural belief of God in our lives. And finally, the Holy Spirit exhausts, right? It aspirates, it blows through and clears and cleanses our lives of brokenness, impresses the gospel, number one, ignites our hearts with faith, and finally exhausts our brokenness. Here is the first thing Paul wanted them to see and for us to accept, that it is the Holy Spirit that draws, if you will, that applies and impresses the work of Jesus into our lives. Look again at Scripture in the Scripture here, verses 1 through 4. Uh, the apostle says, there is therefore now no condemnation. In other words, there's no way to throw this thing away. Like that moped, there's no, way to th- no reason to throw it away. For those who are in Christ Jesus, right? For the law of spirit has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be filled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The Scripture is saying that, that in order for us to become children of God, right, in order for us to be declared righteous, as this is, to no longer be condemned because we're broken, to, to be believers, to be justified by faith, right, Jesus had to come and die for us. You see that. It's, it's, it's a basic cornerstone of Christianity, he had to take the condemnation and judgment that was due, in, due us in order for us to be pardoned and covered with his righteousness, righteousness and good record as our own, right? That's the gospel. But if we look closer, we see that you and I became and become believers because what Jesus did in real time and space and accomplished spiritually for those who would come to him has been applied, right? It's been drawn into, it's been brought into, it's been channeled into, it's been impressed, it's been vacuumed and squeezed and and sealed into our hearts as lasting and right and true and never leaving. It's been tattooed, stamped, settled in, pulled together by the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit communicating, if you will, wiring, signaling, channeling, tubing, right? A translating into us what Jesus did for us outside of us. Putting what Jesus did into and on our hearts and souls, into our motors, if you will, our minds and spirits, making it count for us. Verse 9 in your reading says this, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of God does not belong to him. The Bible is saying you and I are not spiritually alive without the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is not alive in you without the Holy Spirit being the one who brings and and hosts and and holds Jesus' work of salvation present there. Never to be disconnected from that identity that Christ put you on, put, put on and into you. To never have him leave you or you fall from him. In verse 2, it is the spirit of life who has set us free by what Jesus did, who gave what Jesus did to be life, to make us born again, to bring resurrection power from the death of sin that was at work in us. It's funny how we've trivialized this amazing thing. Think about it. That Jesus comes to live in your human heart or soul. That Jesus comes to live in your human spirit. The, 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 the spirit, the you residing in your body, that's you, right? Think about when some of you were first offered the gospel, and we even say this to kids, do you want to accept Jesus into your heart? What? Jesus in your heart? Have you lost your mind? 
I mean, how does that work? Jesus live here inside of me? How does he get in there? How does this God man that I see in the gospels, how does he rule and reign and abide and connect to my soul? How does my, is, is it just intellectual ascent? Is it just, you know, some type of meditative acceptance on my part that makes Jesus rule and reign in my heart? The scripture says no, because that's doing it according to the flesh. Right? So, so how does it happen? How, do, how, how does what happen in, in, in this book? Why is this more than history for the believer? Why is what happened on the cross work like? How does my body and life become, the, as the scripture says, his temple and dwelling place? As a matter of fact, uh, where's the GPS right for the soul, right? Where is it? And how does the king of kings and creator of the universe live in there? I had an x-ray. It didn't show it, right? Somebody that big, somebody that amazing, he has to show up. This is the amazing, powerful work of God's spirit. Where he knits together, y'all. He harnesses, he relays his word. He converts us in such a way that what he does is vacuum tight. There's no leaks. It's a seamless holding and compression, never letting us go, squeezing and holding us to God in a seal, sealing us in the work and salvation of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 16 with me. says here, if I can read it, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You know, while it is true that Jesus bought and earned us a new righteousness, earned salvation, earned us this unshakable identity as children of God, it is God the Holy Spirit who makes it official, who stamps it on us, who attaches it and fills us with it. It communicates and convinces us of it, helps us know and feel it and believe it and receive it and be it, to to know this thing, not as a dress-up costume where sometimes we're it and sometimes we're not, but as a new, unchangeable reality, putting on and in us a new identity and with it, as we see throughout Romans, a new destiny and hope that goes with that new identity. Hear this then. Even if things get shaky and bumpy, in our own assessment, unsure, the Spirit holds us. The Spirit squeezes us close to our identity that we and who we are in Jesus not be lost when times get rough. In fact, verse 18 tells us, right, that there will be sufferings in this life. There will be disappointments. There will be things that might make us feel condemned and like we are lost. Even our own mistakes can can seek to make us lose our faith. But the power of the Holy Spirit will not let our salvation in Jesus break free from us. Now, you don't have this in your scripture passage today, but at the end of this passage, it's one of the most incredible scriptures in the Bible. And it says this. Just just listen, because you don't have it. He says this. Let me see if I got it right. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at the wrong chapter. Okay. He says this. What shall we say then? If God, shall we say in these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Then I'm going to jump down to 35. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen to these things, y'all. Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword, as it is written, for for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It says, no, in all these things, 
We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, the word is convinced, right? That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And the Bible is saying we will experience the push and pressure and pain of anything and everything this life can be as we travel through this life. Whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our breakdowns and our emotional and mental and spiritual health and lives, our depression just from living here. Our deep issues and, and jaded histories and, and some of us, our bodies experiencing disease and sickness. We keep struggling, some of us, with the same things, the same sins as last year, the same stuff as last week that you promised God you would never do again. The same addictions and this world the Bible is teaching is, is crushing and, and filled with all kind of potholes and detours that would seek to derail and burden and abuse us. But it is the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that who you are in Jesus and thus the promise he bought and earned for you will not be lost. Nothing nothing because of the powerful squeeze of and, and compression of the Holy Spirit holding you tightly in his arms. Nothing in your life will separate you from the loving place as God's child that Jesus has bought and the Holy Spirit has brought you and hold you in. Do you, do, do your heart is sometimes it makes you want to walk away. And sometimes you think God has abandoned because things get tough and it's tempting to say, this is not me. You don't know how many times during the week it just kind of enters your mind. I ain't really, this, this, this Christian, this ain't, this ain't it. And if it's it, I ain't it, right? Obviously, I ain't a Christian. I ain't saved. Look at this. Look at this mistake, Lord. I'm calling him Lord, right? Lord, right? The scripture is saying the Holy Spirit is more powerful than your doubts, right? He's not more powerful than your ability to walk away. Because what Romans is saying is he's holding you, squeezing, compressing your life to Christ in such a way that your destiny is not tied to your circumstances and your problems and your struggles and even your sins. Now your destiny is, is, is inseparable from the glory and good and hope of Jesus. And growing in faith means I, I see that connection more than I fall and fail and I'm condemned with the outward circumstances. But that is only the beginning, as incredible as applying salvation may be, because the Holy Spirit not only draws us in and, 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 and sucks, if you will, in the work and, and pulls in the work of justification and life of being a child of God, he brings the bang, Right? The Holy Spirit sparks our lives with divine movement and passion and motivation and volatility. He takes our faith and justification. He makes it move. So we're not just a statue, right? We're not just a, see, there's a saved person. And we're just not, it's, there is movement. Look, look beginning here at verse 10 in your scripture. But if Christ is in you, Hear this, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons 
but whom we cry, Abba, Father. (laughs) These verses are saying that before Jesus, you were just dead. (laughs) No power. No power to, to, to become what God would have you to become. But when the Holy Spirit came, he made you new. But not just that. That same power that gave you a new identity is the same Holy Spirit who then fills the empty dead and then makes it move. He makes it um, with motion, with the life of Jesus. The word here is the Spirit animates our lives. Where we go from being a picture, right, a a theology lesson of God's salvation to a live action happening of God's redemption. Continuing the automotive illustration, we are empowered by the Spirit to get on the road, y'all. To follow the law, if you will, to to let the law guide us, to be free from the wasting away and condemning, as verse 1 says, moving away and out of that kind of contamination and and corruption of sin, of doing things our way, also known as the flesh, or instead of the Lord, uh, of trying to kind of tinker with our lives and making it worse our way and moving out into the world away from the flesh, as Romans says, free from being driven and fueled by our brokenness known as the flesh, and moving and firing, obedient and in tune with who, with who God has called us to be. Free from behaviors and things that hinder our God-giving dignity and humanity. Here's the deal. We're, we're powerless to ignite belief in ourselves. We're powerless to ignite faith and true change and beyond a performance of of outward appearance and and doing a religious show without the Holy Spirit's power. At one point, when we were working on that moped, you know, we we still trying to figure out exactly why it, it ain't starting right and won't stay started. We still working on it. I bought some other stuff to fix it, but um, anyway. We kept hitting that starter. It wasn't catching. We think it might be, you know, the starter clutch. So, um, so I know. I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, but we, we kept hitting that. And it kept spinning, spinning, spinning around. And just for a minute, y'all, that thing started. You wanted to see two men in that garage jumping around crazy? I wanted that thing to be loud for the neighbors to hear, too. Like, what? Y'all had a roar at that moped. Um, but, <laughs> but it was an exciting moment. It was like, woo, woo. Like, no, not, that's a Harley. It's whatever. But for just a minute, y'all, it was the pop, right? It was a huff. It was, it was a hum of, 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 of that engine moving, right? Being fired and sparking and exploding and moving and, and ready, right? And Harris was like, give it gas, give it gas. And I didn't give it any gas and it dropped, right? Never started again. <laughs> but with a spark, Scripture is saying, the Holy Spirit's power, our lives move out of the stall out of the dry, right? Out of burning ourselves out. Because if I kept hitting that starter engine, it's going to burn out if it doesn't catch. If there's no spark. It's, we're burning out our lives, trying to have movement, trying to change things, trying to do things in our own effort. And, and, and it's just this empty attempts and the Holy Spirit's power comes along in our empty attempts and it causes a spark that makes our hearts roar, right? We rattle and we hum and we make the new sound of life. And do you know what it sounds like? Abba. Father, Abba, Father, the sound of life. It's the sound of of, of your heart's engine, right? 
awakening. Do you hear that? Those are the words. That's the feel. That's the sound that wells up from somewhere deep in the heart, an engine of our belief, into out loud in real life. It is living faith and faith lived out. It is the most like that. When we heard the sound of that thing starting up, man, it is the most profound profession of faith. The most powerful display of belief and desire and readiness to follow God. The greatest outward evidence of God being alive in you that you would have the ability to cry, Abba, Father, not my power, not my sin, not condemnation, not my mistakes, not my jaded history, but Abba, Father, I'm alive with your truth and with your love that God is your father here and there and everywhere and all the time. And this cry like a child for its father comes from the explosive sound and rumble of the Holy Spirit doing what it does in verse 16. Look at this. So behind the Abba Father, the Bible says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's like a newborn baby. You know the old school stories of the doctor slapping the baby on the bottom? Y'all, maybe y'all too old for that. I mean, too young. But you know, when the baby come out, is this baby okay? Psh, ah, it's fine. Right? Remember when Harrison came out, he had little stuff we couldn't breathe right. All I wanted to hear was a cry. That life was in him. Sometimes I hear, you know, stories how the doctor hit the baby's bottom. The Holy Spirit knows we are the Lord's better than we do. And he kind of taps us, right? He shakes, he spanks us, he sparks us. He empowers our souls. To cry out according to what Jesus applied and done and given you in your life. To make you believe. You know, believe means to be alive. To be lively. Live as you are being. Live according to who you are. Right? The Holy Spirit creates that belief. It, it creates that Abba Father. It makes you feel like you're a child of God. And when you are alive as a child of God, you begin to live as someone who cries out Abba Father. And this does not happen just once when we are reborn in Jesus. The Holy Spirit in us is, is the scripture telling us, reminding and re-sparking us with the message that we are heirs, right? We are children of God, that we don't have the power to save ourselves and never did. But God through Christ has that that explosive communicable truth in our hearts is the spark power of the Holy Spirit, not only to save us, but change us and sustain us and, and keep us and minister God's real grace in us and make us passionate and on fire for life with the Lord. To respark our belief in faith when we do stall with the truth of the gospel deep within our hearts, beyond the outward distractions and sufferings, you can hear the Spirit. You're a child of God. Hey, you down there on the ground. Hey, you. In the salvage place, in the trash heap, a still small voice, powerful little spark. You are a child of God. And it awakens the soul of those who are in Christ. And we cry out, even if it's just a whimper, Abba, Father, I'm alive. Every week you come here, and all the materials are here. Got the scripture, y'all had to preach in, right? You got the, the, the Lord's Supper. You got some great songs with some amazing words. Some of y'all even got community group at your uh, disposal. You get to use it. You have fellowship. You have elders. These are called the means of grace, y'all. You've got prayer. But the Holy Spirit takes that stuff and he produces the spark of faith in it. And it is a difference between us just being religious and just being academic 
and just being followers of Christ and becoming living children of God. It's the ministry of the gospel. The Holy Spirit is, 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 is the current of life in the things that we're called to participate, in the word as we hear it. So a little lesson, a little technical here. I'm probably going to mess up because I'm not technical, right? But I'm just brave enough to try. So I um, was studying online, oh, Lord, online courses. How, like, this electromagnetic engine thing works, right? And what's real interesting is um, it, it's driven um, by an electromagnetic current passing through a magnet. And you have, I'm not going to get too technical for some of y'all, because, um, you know, I'm an English major, so I, I get it. Um, but w what I realize is in this current are both negative and positive charges. And as it comes close to, very close to, negative and positive charges in the spinning mechanism, the current causes it to spin. Motion, movement, change, an engine. Do you know what the Holy Spirit does? It's the current of the gospel. And it brings the full truth of the negative and positive of the gospel message to bear on the negative and positive issues in your life. Like this. Here's the gospel. Do you know the gospel has a negative and positive pole to it? It says, you're a sinner, right? You're broken, right? You can't save yourself. But then it also comes and says, but God sent Jesus to be a savior of sinners, do y'all hear the negative and pos positive current of the gospel? And what the Holy Spirit does is, is, is when it says it, it communicates the gospel to us. When it tells us that we're children of God, it not only does that, it convicts us of where we are broken, where we are sinners, right? And, and it, creates, it, it creates a spin, right? You're, you're broken, but in Christ you have salvation. You're trying to do this life on your own, but the power of Holy Spirit is here to help you. And there's this constant, perpetual spin. Do you know what we call that motion in the life of a believer? Sanctification. It's the work of the Holy Spirit working and moving in your life. But one thing I realize about engines and, and all of that motion here, right? It makes you hum and cry, Abba, Father, as the Holy Spirit communicates the gospel to your life. And you can imagine with any motion and movement as faulty people in the fallen world, that power, God at work through the power of the Holy Spirit, exhaust us, right? In the constant friction and conflict of it all. Look at verse 18 with me. It says this, for for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But we hope for what we do not see. And we wait for it with patience. Here's the irony of it all, y'all. As the Holy Spirit reveals more and more who God is and of his holiness, as we come in supernatural contact and proximity with God through the Holy Spirit, it creates a longing to be better, 
it creates a reveal of where you're broken. The Bible calls that like tension, that frustration, the groan of being human and broken. It says we will groan with inconsistency. We will groan and hear me fume and smoke as God touches it and confronts and combines his grace with our impurity, with our desire for more of God and less of us, with the frustration of wanting to be finally free and fully all we should and could be. An inner kind of divine dissatisfaction is at work in our hearts where God, the Holy Spirit comes and we see how amazing God is and we see how amazing we can be. And he talks about what it means to be free and be children of God. And at the same time, he reveals in his work in our lives just how far we are from it. That's a frustration. And the problem is some of you who are not in Christ, if, if you're not a believer, you live in the frustration of, 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 a, of a common, if a general manifestation of God's goodness in the world. And you're frustrated. You want to be better. What do you think is driving you to do all you do? You know there's death at work. You know things aren't right. You want to get things better. And you're trying to do it in your own strength. And so the frustration, the groaning does apply to you. But for you believers, I'm with you. I'm always groaning. I'm rarely like just okay, right? Or, or satisfied. There is a sense in which we experience a holy frustration, I'm going to say, of the highest and deepest. I tell you, this is a warning. Because as the Holy Spirit sparks in, as the Holy Spirit flashes on your life, it will ignite and reveal and open up all that is not right and true, along with exposing what is good and true. And you will kind of be left in this middle place, that groaning place in your relationships and marriage and jobs and addictions and servant life and parenting and dating. The power of God will exhaust your life with exposure to God's perfect plan and purpose and inheritance as his child and it gets frustrating it might immediately feel like you, you and this christian thing is a bust like if you if you if you're growing in faith and you never experience frustration there's a real question of whether the holy spirit's working in your heart not groaned we confuse it i'm frustrated i'm fallen I'm broken. And those who are in Christ can sometimes confuse that and say, the faith isn't working. When it's the exact opposite. It is the work of faith in your life. Let me say this, nine out of ten times exhaustion is a result of the wrong thing. I admit that. But in this situation, exhaustion is about letting out, letting your strengths be blown out and your weaknesses and longings be brought to the surface so that God's grace and joy and hope and power can flow more powerfully in and through you. Here's a surprise, y'all. Christianity has never been about covering our pain. It's never been about converting your pain, but revealing it for what it really is. That's what the Holy Spirit does for what it really feels like, for what it really comes from, for in many cases, from where is too deep and complicated and broken for many of us to see or express it. Where we just kind of act out and fall out and fall down and sometimes don't know why. Look at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercede for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit 
because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit takes what is left, y'all, after there's been conviction in our hearts. He takes that frustration. He takes our holy struggle. We feel after recognizing just how far we have to go. When we recognize how broken we are by being so close to God, he not only reveals the weaknesses, the Holy Spirit not only shows us our broken places, the scripture is saying he takes it and owns it. He goes to the deepest places, y'all, and groans not only with us, but for us in powerful ways. He knows all your troubles and all your issues and all the things that make you want to walk away from everything you're committed to and all it will take to change you. And he's connected with how hard it is for you to make sense of being a believer in the middle of whatever struggle you're in right now. The, the, the struggle you're in right now, how hard it is for you to do the right thing or believe the right thing or think the right thing, that, that he enters in the middle of that struggle and pain and confusion and frustration. He takes on all of that. And then the Bible teaches he blows on it with comfort and blows on it with grace so that you and I will not suffocate in our faith. The Holy Spirit sustains us by aspirating, if you will, our lives, pulling and pushing on and out our brokenness and then blowing on us with God's grace and story and gospel and truth. It's the constant work. It is safe to say the Holy Spirit's powerful groans. It's like our breathing system. It's our gospel uh, 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 lung. It's our life support system. It's our mom and dad when we were babies. You know the worst thing for a kid? Well, make a baby groan more than anything? That dreaded aspirator. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That blue thing? I mean, I still have nightmares thinking about that thing. Where it has the bulb on one end. And that long point that goes on the baby's little nostrils and it pulls out mucus and boogers, right? It just does it. And the baby just ah, thrashes back and forth. When we, when we used to do it, we get the arms and legs ready. Like we'll just, or, or we'll squeeze them real tight. Mom and daddy love me. Ah, oh, you trick, right? You got to get them. Because they're over there trying to breathe. Sometimes they're trying to eat. They can't, get to, they can't even eat. They're suffocating. They're suffocating for the goodness, right? They're suffocating for hope. They're suffocating for joy. And they just, they're going to keep trying. That's us. We're going to keep trying. I want God's goodness. I want my life to change. But we're suffocating. And the baby just thrashes back and forth. It's a necessary frustration. A necessary groaning for life. And life more abundant. Not so long ago, I heard a story about a mother who didn't have time or chose not to use an actual aspirator. And she took her mouth. Don't be grossed out. This is your baby. I got thrown up in the mouth by Clark, okay? I know what throw up tastes like, okay? Secondhand whatever the baby ate. I'm alive, and I still love him. But this mother, come on, y'all, come to the, gen the gentleness of the story for a minute. She would take her mouth and put it on the baby's nose, touching her lips to the baby's nose and sucking and blowing out. And as gross as that might sound, it is exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us. If you, as you are a child of God, crying, Abba, Father, in your love for God, in your sin, in your pain, in the congestion of your broken life, the Holy Spirit comes with the same gospel as Jesus squeezes us close, touches us personally, intimately, 
aspirates our hearts, aspirates our lives of sin and pride and trying to do it all on our own, then blows in the presence and grace of God so that we can have a redeemed life, so that we can once again clearly and more clearly this time not cry, I got this, I got this, I'm good. But Abba Father, to eat, to pray, to live, so that the power of God to be the sons of God can be ours. It's a matter of the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for how you exhaust our lives, how you aspirate us with grace, with care. Some of us are really dealing with a lot of condemnation. Stuff ain't working out right. Man, it seemed like if we would walk with the Lord this long and have prayed this hard, this would be done. Lord, I pray for those who are living, feeling the groan right now. Aspirate their lives with your grace so they can cry out, Abba, Father. Lord, I pray for those of us who we got so much sin in our lives. So much new stuff's been revealed. You went in, Holy Spirit, and you, you just, you dug it up. The gospel revealed it. We're living in the flesh. We're trying to make things work on our own. We're gaining hope and satisfaction and joy outside the power of the Holy Spirit. We're running from Christ. We despise sometimes who we are in Christ. Lord, by your Holy Spirit, convince our hearts again. Come in with the current of your love. For those of us who think we got it together, convince us, Lord, that we are broken. And for those of us who are condemned in our brokenness, let the current that says you can be saved through Christ come. Help us not to lose hope knowing that you haven't for us. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.